Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on the Community Radio Network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys, and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate, and small business owner. Let's meet today's guest. And welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM or via podcast, here's the show where you'll learn from experts, be inspired by journeys and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate and small business owner. There are some changes afoot. No, I'm not talking about JobKeeper, cash flow stimulus or any other support package from a state government. Rather, a piece of legislation which has crept up on the small business community. But like all things legal, we need to be aware of it. A safe harbour law applies to where a director, after beginning to suspect a company may become insolvent, starts developing one or more actions that are reasonably likely to be better outcome for the company that is an immediate appointment of it administrator or a liquidator. Did anybody understand what I just said? No. So what does that mean for a small business? And what's changed about that recently? And that's an important date to be particularly aware of, especially in the time of COVID. Today, we're joined by one of our regular speakers, Wayne Wanders, a virtual CFO who brings with him 35 years as a chartered accountant and decades of experience with real businesses at every stage of their life cycle. He's chatting to us about what these laws, these safe harbour laws mean for you and your small business. Welcome to the program again, Wayne. Thank you, Alexi. Great to be back and back in the studio as well. Indeed, it's great. It's really nice to have people in person in the studio. This this constitutes my social life, which is a little bit sad. Let's talk about what are safe harbour laws and why is it actually quite important that we understand what this means as a small business owner? Okay. So as I said before, putting it in simple English, safe harbour laws give you time to try and fix your business if you're struggling financially. But to understand it, we really need to go back and think a bit more about why we've got safe harbour laws. I'll just take you a step back. Pretty much when someone sets up a business, most people will set up their business in a company structure. What that does is it allows you to put a wall between your business liabilities and your personal assets. So you're trying to separate those two things out. So in theory, if your business went broke and you owed the landlord some rent or something, the landlord couldn't chase you personally, couldn't make you sell your house to get your rent. But what the lawmakers did, they put a gate in that wall called insolvent trading. So basically what insolvent trading means is you're incurring debts when it's reasonably likely you're not going to be able to pay them back. For example, you know, supplier A is stop supply because you can't pay them and you go, okay, I'm going to go to supplier B and buy from supplier B, but I'm probably not going to be able to pay supplier B back, but I'm still going to order from them. That's trading while you're insolvent. Right, which is obviously morally wrong, <laughs> but also it's it's just digging a bigger hole than what you started with in, in the first place. Correct. But, w- but what the law allows basically says if you're trading insolvent, your creditors can open the gate, walk through the, the, the wall between your personal liability, sorry, between your business liabilities and your personal assets and potentially force you to sell your house to pay back the creditors. Right. So that's where the laws come through. But that law and that, for the accredited to open that gate, it is so, most business owners don't realise this, it's really, really simple for a creditor to open that gate. All they needed to do is lodge what's called a statutory demand. It's a really simple piece of paper. There's a standard form. You can fill it out personally. You can mail it to the business's registered office. 
And and at the moment, what the laws used to be, if you owed the creditor over $2,000, they could lodge that statutory demand at your registered office. Really important tip here, really important to have your registered office address up to date because if someone lodges a statutory demand at an old address, which is still with ASIC, that's not an excuse. You could be caught liable through that process and not even know about a statutory demand being lodged against your business. And could I just stop you there? Because that, that whole registered address thing is actually much more important than people realise. You've got to have your business registered correctly at ASIC and also at the ATO, correct? Correct. Right. So there's a little top tip for today's program already, those of you who've just joined us here on Small Biz Matters. We're talking about safe harbour laws with one of our regular guests, Wayne Wanders. And a top tip here is to make sure that your address with ASIC and your address with the ATO are up to date and current because I guess what you're saying is ignorance is not an excuse. Just because you didn't know that you were receiving this letter doesn't mean that you're not under the obligation to pay. Correct. And under the normal laws, you've got 21 days to respond to that statutory demand, either pay the creditor, make an arrangement with the creditor or dispute it. Now, if that got sent to the wrong address, you may not even get that for 21 days. And if you don't respond to a strategy demand, that's a presumed insolvent business under law. But if you don't respond to who? To the demand, the person who's written the letter? Yes. So if you don't respond to a letter when they're making the demand, you are presumed by law to be insolvent. If you don't either pay it within 21 days, come to an agreement with them or dispute it by lodging a dispute against it within the 21 days. It's presumed that you are insolvent and that creditor can apply to a court to put you into administration to wind you up. And here's a really good um, point here. I should mention that if you are in a dispute, one place that you can go to to help with mediation is the New South Wales Small Business Commissioner or the Small Business Commissioner in your state because they assist with business mediations in this way rather than things going to court. So you've got three options. You can either pay or you can, uh, you know, lodge a, a... what do you call it, a dispute with one another? And what was the third thing? And just make an arrangement. So I'll I'll pay it off over the next six months or whatever. Right, okay. But this has to be a reasonable letter of demand. You you have to have purchased something from them or there has to be some sort of contract. So we wind back a little bit and we say, you need to make sure that everything you do in business has good record keeping, is in writing, and you have an agreement as to what the goods and services are that you're purchasing. But that's from the creditor's perspective. They want to make sure they can... The the creditor's got to prove that the debt exists. Okay. They can't make up a fictitious debt, say, oh, I'm just going to make a fictitious debt of $3,000 up and lodge a piece of paper. No, they've got to prove it's a real debt. But if we're assuming it's a real debt, they can very quickly and easily open that door. And, and why is this so pertinent now? I mean, I've been reading about it a little bit in the, in, the, um, in the news. It's kind of starting to creep into the small business press. What is it about safe harbour laws that we need to be aware of right now? Okay, so what if you think about it, I just went through a really simple example how easy it is for a creditor to potentially put your business insolvent. And if you're trading insolvent, you could be as a director personally liable for your debts for that business. Now, what's happened historically, a business owner, when they've got this letter of demand, the statutory demand, they've gone, oh, and yeah, they've wet their pants going, hang on, I'm potentially liable for my personal assets. So particularly if you've got independent directors, their immediate response is, we have to put the company administration, I don't want to lose my house over this business. So suddenly what we find, what we were finding was the businesses were going, rather than trying to trade out of a short-term financial difficulty, they were going and they're pulling the plug on the business, putting it into administration. 
And we know from the statistics, very, very few businesses recover from administration. The only people who make money from the administration are the administrators. The creditors get cents in the dollar. The business owner gets left with nothing. I know of a story of a couple of weeks ago, an administrator wouldn't take on an appointment unless the business owner put a charge over their house to pay the administrator's fees. That's doubling down on the initial problem. Correct. The administrator is another creditor. Am I right? Yes. Wow. Okay. So but they're supposed to get paid first behind the ATO, but the administrator's going, there's not enough money in this business for me to get paid. I don't want the job must get paid. So they're forcing the liability onto the business owner. So really you need to be aware, as aware as possible of what your financial standing is, but also where you might be able to go for safeguards if you do have a cash flow crisis, which so many businesses are in at the moment. And that's what the government recognised a couple of years ago. They realised that too many people and too many businesses that were good, viable, long-term businesses, had a short-term problem, were shutting down. So they brought in these safe harbour laws. And basically, as I said before, these safe harbour laws allow the business to buy some time to try and fix their financial problems without putting their personal assets at risk. How much time did it buy? Okay, it's, as part of the law, it's, you've got to do trying to achieve what's called a better outcome in a reasonable time frame. Now, what is reasonable? Reasonable to you is different to me. For example, I've got a, one client who's just gone through the whole safe harbour process and their better outcome was to sell a chunk of their business. Now, selling a chunk of your business is not something that can be done in a day or two days. Mm-hmm. And this process actually took over 12 months. Now, it's all finished now, and it even and that was between when they signed paperwork. It still took another two months for everything to, to wind through the process. So that was about a 14th or 15-month process to go through, the, through it. So that was a reasonable time frame because they're selling a big, chunky asset. Mm. It depends. Like right now, if we're looking at, say, in the COVID situation, what's a reasonable time frame? If you're in Melbourne, a reasonable time frame has to be after all the restrictions are, are lifted because you can't say, oh, I've got to solve it before the 28th of October when no restrictions are lifted. So it, it, it fluctuates and varies depending on the circumstances. And may I ask, what government agency looks after this? So which government agency? Is it ASIC that is examining a reasonable time frame? is examining what is considered to be trading while solvent for a reasonable time frame? Who administers all it's this? It's no government department. What it actually is, 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 is basically it's, it's if you meet the rules, and I can go through the rules in a minute, and you go through a safe harbour process, if you go through it and you successfully get through it, you pay all your creditors and you keep on trading, no one bothers to look at you. Right. What the problem is, is if you go into Safe Harbour, you say, okay, we think we've got a reasonable chance of getting a better outcome in a reasonable time frame, and you fail. Then you're going into administration, and then it's up to the administrator or liquidator to go back and say, well, there's not enough money in here. Maybe we can go against the directors and their personal assets. What did they do in that period? Oh, they did Safe Harbour. Okay. Did they do it properly? Did they comply with all the eligibility rules? Was it reasonable? Was it going to be a better outcome? And was it in a reasonable time frame? So the liquidator or administrator then can make that choice to chase the directors. So ASIC doesn't get any involved. Okay. So if you go into Safe Harbour, come out and succeed, no one cares because all the creditors got paid in full and you all went on or got agreed. If you go into Safe Harbour and still can't succeed, then 
you're at risk. And that's when it comes back to keeping proper records, proper decision-making things. Why do I make this decision? What's the basis for this decision? All those sort of things to defend it. You can't just have something written on a napkin at a a coffee shop as your support. You're going to need some proper documentation to say, why did I believe this was going to be a better outcome for creditors in a reasonable time frame? So talk me through those rules that you described. What are they that, that, um, that allow you to be in that safe harbour harbour. <laughs> How can I? I'm just envisaging this little castle with a, a wall and a gate and a moat now. Now the safe harbour laws are like the moat that's around the castle. So well, tell me. Okay, <laughs> before, we, before we go into those rules, let's just take one extra step. What the government did back in March is put in some temporary safe harbour laws, which basically threw all these rules out the window and said, everyone is in safe harbour for debts incurred in the ordinary um, course of business between the 25th of March and now to the 31st of December. Right. Now, if they want to extend it beyond the 31st of December, they need another Act of Parliament to do that. So I'm not sure whether that will actually happen again. So in this period at the moment, every business in Australia without any rules and any director can trade under t- the temporary safe harbour laws. So as long as they are acting legally and ethically and for debts in the ordinary course of business, they have got the safe harbour protection. So their personal assets are protected from their creditors. And that's a really important point because I think that that's what a lot of people do when they're setting up a business is they think that they are protecting those personal assets. We're going to take a quick break here on Triple H and Small Biz Matters. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Wayne about what the rules are in the safe harbour. We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Led by Kate Carnell since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural and oil industry codes. Kate Carnell, as an independent advocate for small business owners, has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future. So just before the break, I was speaking to Wayne about the safe harbour laws. Uh, a little bit about um, the, I guess, the specifics around why they exist and why they've been extended. Now, just remind me some important dates that have happened recently in terms of the parliament. Now, why are we talking about this now? Why are we reading a little bit more about it in the news at present for small businesses? Okay. As I said before, when COVID hit, the government basically put in a temporary safe harbour law. So basically, if we go back to my analogy of the wall with the gate in it, the government put some barricades in front of that gate. Originally, they put the barricades to go from the 25th of March to the 25th of September. And just last week or the week before, they extended that date through to the 31st of December. Obviously, because of COVID and because so many businesses are basically trading while insolvent. Well, I think probably because of Melbourne, Mm. because Melbourne is still shut down. If they took it out now, basically the bulk of businesses in Melbourne would be shutting down tomorrow. Yeah. Or would be shutting down when the 25th is, so shutting down on Friday because they've got no hope in there to do anything to come out of it through the process. So they... 
the Treasurer did that under a power under the legislation they got through in March. They gave him power to extend it. Um, he, ex- he can extend it to... Well, he extended it to the 31st of December. If they want to extend it past that, they've now got to go back to Parliament to do that. And the problem they're going to have with that is that one of the industries that's actually really suffering at the moment is the insolvency industry. Huh. Because of these temporary safe harbour laws, people are continuing to trade. I presume you've heard about all of the... Everyone talking about all these zombie companies. So basically they're saying there's these zombie companies that are trading and they've never got a hope in hell of paying their debts back, but because of the laws, they can keep trading. And because of things like JobKeeper and and stimulus packages, they are staying afloat, I presume. And, yeah, even though you've got JobKeeper, you've got to remember, you still have... Every week you're paying someone, you've got more leave entitlements you've got to pay them that JobKeeper's not paying for. So your liabilities are increasing every week, every time you put someone on. So the government's extended these temporary safe harbour or the barricade in front of the gate there between your personal, your business liabilities and your personal assets to the 31st of December. But on the 31st of December, unless they go back to Parliament and extend it, that barricade comes crushing down. So... You need to be aware that if you want to use the core safe harbour laws, there's a whole list of things you've got to do and a whole list of eligibility rules. And I'll guarantee you this, you can't turn up on New Year's Eve and comply with all of these rules and hope on the 1st of January you can trade under your safe harbour laws. So if you're struggling now financially, if you're feeling the pinch or if if you're going to hurt more when JobKeeper reduces either next week or when it reduces in January, if you're hurting because your rents are probably going to go up next week and you may have to start paying back more rent from your the deferred rent that you may have negotiated over the last six months and you think you may be potentially you know, trading insolvent, unless you start doing something today, just remember it's less than 15 weeks between now and the 1st of January. So you've got 15 weeks to get something in place. Otherwise, come the 1st of January, you as a director may be personally liable for the debts of your business. So what you're saying is you need to make sure that you meet the eligibility criteria through the rules between now and January. Is that correct? Correct. Right. So take me through. So what are those? These are the normal safe harbour law rules that are still apply. It's just the date that is extended yes. that where they exist. So what do you have to do to ensure that you meet the criteria? Okay, so the first bunch of them are, are basically factual. The first thing is you've got to be paying your employee entitlements on time. So you have to be paying your staff super, for example. You need to be paying your staff wages. The next test is you've got to be meeting your ATA reporting obligations, putting your BAS in on time. Now, it doesn't mean paying your BAS on time. You can enter into an arrangement with the ATA to pay your BAS over a period of time, but as long as you put your BAS in on time. You've got to make sure that you're keeping appropriate financial records. You've got to make sure you're taking steps to prevent fraud in your business. You've got to get advice from an appropriately qualified entity, and I'll come back to that one. And the most important bit is you've got to be developing and implementing a plan that's going to lead to a better outcome for your creditors. So that's all pretty factual. Am I doing A, B, C and D? And the other one with that is you as a business owner have to be clear in understanding your business performance. So they're all factual things that you can go through and get a, a, a tick through. The one that's a bit harder is the fact that you've got to be doing a restructuring plan or taking steps to get a better outcome for your creditors. So basically what they're saying there is, are you going to do something that is going to mean if you put the company into administration today, you're going to do something that's going to be better for the creditors 
than putting the company into administration today. So you have to try. Yes, you have to be doing something that's going to achieve it through the process. Now, that outcome could be if you shut the business down today, the creditors are going to get 10 cents in the dollar. We think we can do X and we're going to get the creditors 20 cents in the dollar. Now, I've got a client I've worked with where at a point in time, the business itself was trading profitably, but because of prior periods of trading unprofitably, their debts had built up and they were struggling to pay back old debts. So what they ended up deciding to do was if they collapsed the company at that point in time, the secured creditors, they had three levels of secured creditors. The first two levels would have got 100 cents in the dollar. The third level would have got about 80 cents in the dollar and every unsecured creditor would have got nothing. So what they did is they went into said, okay, then we'll go into Safe Harbour and they put together a plan to sell about 80% of their business. Obviously, that took a bit of time to get through the process. They've sold the business. They've got most of their money from that process. All the secured creditors have paid out in full and now all the unsecured creditors, creditors will get paid out in full as well and they'll have money left over to continue the rest of the business. That's a better outcome than they entered in through the process. And that's a plan. And it was all documented. It was all done properly. Um, they had someone come in and have a look at it and got the appropriate qualified advice through the process and went through the, through the process. You can't just, as I said, writing it down on a napkin at a uh, coffee shop won't cut the mustard. Let's talk about the appropriate advice. So who do you go to for help in regards to, if you can see the writing on the wall and you recognise that you're going to be in this situation, who can you ask for for help? Okay, so there's no real definition in the legislation, but basically what the, um, the government wants is what they call fit-for-purpose advice. I'll give you an example. Let's take Virgin Airlines. We know Virgin Airlines went into a whole lot of bother a couple of months ago. If Virgin Airlines wanted to go into Safe Harbour, they couldn't get advice from their um, local tax agent because that's not appropriate for the circumstances. Okay. Right? They would have needed to get advice from... Um, some lawyers. They Deloitte. Would have, they would have needed to get advice from someone who's in the business of selling that sort of business to get a buyer for the business. So they would have had to get advice from lawyers, um, from accountants, from business brokers, potentially insolvency experts. But your local florist could go to their chartered accountant who they've been working with for a number of years and seek that plus some legal advice and that would be appropriate? As long as their their local, if it's a chartered accountant who's got a professional qualification. So what they're saying there is they've got to be someone who's got professional qualifications, someone who's got a requirement to have continuing um, professional development, so they're supposedly and theoretically up to date in all their stuff, mm-hmm. although I don't know how anyone keeps up with everything these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so it, it's a level of advice. So, for example, if you're take my client that sold off, they had different chunks of advice. One of the chunks of advice, they actually got a business broker involved to help sell the assets and they got some advice from them as to whether the likelihood of sale. Hmm. And that was gave them some comfort on that process. Like they're... Um, an accountant like myself couldn't give them advice on the on the likelihood of sale. I could give them advice on here's what the cash flow forecast looks like. If you sell it for X, this is how much you've got left. So you could and you know, I continually with that client, I must have reforecast their business model every week for nine months, depending on oh, this is the date we're gonna sell, this is how much we're gonna sell for, this is what it's gonna look like. Cause each time I did it, are we still gonna be able to pay our creditors back? Yes, no, maybe, whatever through the process. So it, it's, it's 
for a small florist or for a small for a plumber or someone like that or a cafe, they don't need to go get you know all these high powered people through it. Mm, right? Exactly. But if you're Virgin Airlines, you need to make sure it's yep. appropriate and fit for purpose. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So you've gone through the process. You recognise that you could find yourself. Um, in a in a in a spot of bother, and you need to start putting these processes in place while the safe harbour laws exist. Remind me again why that thirty first of you, what you're saying essentially is if you can see the writing on the wall, you need to prepare for that thirty first of December deadline. Otherwise, if you've got nothing in place, you will be trading insolvent, and you don't meet the criteria of being in a safe harbour law. So basically, on the first of January two thousand and twenty one, you've got if you're trading with financial difficulties now. You've got a choice. Do nothing today. Come around in 15 weeks or less than 15 weeks time on the 1st of January. You're still trading in financial difficulty. You then go and order something new. You go and order some new stock or you get something else through the process. But you know that the chance of you being able to repay that person in full and all your creditors in full is pretty low. So suddenly you're now trading while you're insolvent. If you end up going broke and an administrator gets appointed, they're going to go and look at, okay, what happened in that period between the 31st of December and when you actually appointed that administrator? Let's use Virgin as an example. It's come out in the press in the last couple of weeks that Virgin were actually trading insolvent for a period between, I think, sometime in March and sometime in April. The, the liquidators actually stated that, or the administrators stated that. But what they've stated is that they had all these things that they were doing, which gave them a, a reasonable outcome and a better outcome to come through it so that they can actually get by under the original safe harbour law so that the liquidators are not going to go back and chase the directors of Virgin for that six-week window. So let's say you went into administration on the 31st of January, they could go back and say, whatever you ordered between the 1st of January and the 31st of January, we're going to hold you personally liable for and we're going to go you. Now, if you own a house, guess what they're going to do? They're going to take you to court, they're going to make you sell a house and they're going to take the money through the process. So if you don't do anything, as I said, there's a wall between your personal assets and your business liabilities. There's a gate in there. There was a barricade till the 31st of December. That barricade is now gone. The gate is there unlocked. If you don't want to put a lock on it, you leave it ready and willing for your creditors to come in and actually walk through the door and take your personal assets. If you want to put a lock on there, you have to do something with your safe harbour. And it was interesting what you said at the beginning of the program, how I guess simple it is for somebody to become a creditor. Um, under and, and reasonably request and demand that, that you repay the debts that you have with them. Yeah, like right now they've changed those laws as well. Like you need a statute, right now to get a statutory demand, the debt has to be $20,000 and you've got six months to respond. That stops on the 31st of December. Back so, to 21 days. And $2,000. Right. Now Kate Carnell is agitating to change that because they've just done a report, she's issued a report back in um, July. I don't know if you've read that report that she did on the insolvency review. And she's agitating for at least $5,000 in at least 30 days. And she's agitating for a a simpler insolvency practice or process. But I doubt any of that's going to happen in the next 15 weeks. Because there's a lot going on. Business owners have to be cognizant of the fact of come the 1st of January, it's probably going to be $2,000 in 21 days. The barricades are down. Your gate is there. Are you going to lock it 
or are you going to leave it wide open for your creditors to just walk through and start taking your house? Well, Wayne, on that note, that positive <laughs> note, we're going to have to leave it for today's program. Where can people find out about what it is that you do and the services that you offer? The easiest way is just find me on my website, www.arealcfo.com.au. Thank you, Wayne. It's been a pleasure having you on the program again. Anybody who's been listening, you can catch up anytime via iTunes or Spotify or wherever you ingest your small business education. We'll be back next week with another great guest. In fact, we've got our sponsor on the program, Kate Carnell from Aspifio, is coming on next week. We might check in with her about these safe harbour laws, but we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks for joining me on Small Biz Matters. This week's episode was proudly broadcast from Triple H Studios in Sydney, Australia and sponsored by the Office of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. If you've enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform. It would be much appreciated. Then head to the Small Biz Matters website where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers and find out how to become a media partner. See you all next time.